beast alone. Leave him alone. All right, hour number two. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I do appreciate you spending uh, part of your day with me. And if uh, you miss any of it, get the podcast. Listen live at WBT.com. Get the podcast there as well or the PeteCallenerShow.com or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. The phone numbers, if you'd like to join on the discussion, it's 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. And my email, it hasn't changed, Pete at ThePeteCallenerShow.com, and that is Callender with a K. Uh, next hour, the murder trial. It's a Murdoch trial. I'm trying to say it. It sounds like murder. Murder. Murdoch trial. Okay, so we're going to do that at the next hour. Uh, Mr. Beast. Do you know who this is, Mr. Beast? It's not. You do. All right, Chris does. All right, he's a YouTuber, and Bernie does. Look at that, spanning the generations there. Um. I only became aware of this guy, I want to say like a month ago or so. I forget what happened, but he popped up on a on a news site because he had done something, and I forget what it was at this point. But now apparently there are some people attacking Mr. Beast, which is bizarre to me because of all the people on social media, it seems like he might be the nicest one. And as in, But when I say the nicest one, I mean the one that's actually using his social media to help people. As I understand it, he's got like millions of followers, maybe even tens of millions. I don't know. I haven't checked. It's been a while. Was it 13 million su- subscribers? I think is what he's got. Something like that. He has built one of the world's largest followings on the internet. And you know what he does? He shares videos of acts of kindness. Which is weird because his name is Mr. Beast, and that doesn't actually scream act of kindness, but whatever. I mean, who am I to, who am I to question his marketing? Right? He, he's obviously successful, but he's in he's here in North Carolina. What are you going to now say something about that? React what? Oh, it's hundred and twelve million subscribers. Chris just acted like he saw somebody decapitate a loved one. That was very that was very startling to me. Uh, wait till you see my numbers, Chris. That <laughs> yeah, he won't have that reaction at all. But uh, that's uh, all right. So I missed it by that much. Okay, so 112 million subscribers, which I think is like everybody on YouTube. But he's based here in North Carolina. He's from Greenville. I think he went to East Carolina. He's a pirate, and. He started this channel up, and he's, he just does nice things for people. <clears throat> and so he shares videos where he gives things away to random people, a lot like Ellen DeGeneres, but without the talking, you know, um, and the dancing and the treating your employees like garbage. But other than that, he's very much very similar. So the giveaways that he's done, he's given away cash. He's given away a house. He gave an entire parking lot of things to charity. This is what he does. He has all these subscribers. His YouTube channel is monetized, which means what? Means YouTube puts ads into his uh into his videos. And I I don't know. I haven't watched uh, I watched one of them, but I didn't see one of his videos, but I haven't seen I watched the video in question, which I'm going to get to. But 
They put ads in the videos and he generates, you know, like 0.001 cent per click or something like that. And so they they pay him. He makes all this money just by doing these videos. This is his job. He, it's basically a TV show, right? But he gives away stuff. And I'm sure now people offer him things to give away to others, right? Because that's how that works. We do this in radio. We've been doing this, uh, which is always, it's always funny to me when I watch people in the social media influencer world. And they start talking about, hey, this is how we can try to do something, whatever. And they start describing the either the promotional campaign or an advertising campaign. And I'm like, yeah, that's radio. <laughs> you guys are doing what radio has been doing for decades. This is this is our model. We are aware of how this works. So he gives away all of this stuff. And most recently, he put out this video where he funded procedures for a thousand people to be cured of their blindness. He literally, he literally cured blindness for a thousand people. It's pretty amazing. I watched the video. It's only like a 10 minute video, but he partnered up with some doctor who was, who was, you know, a specialist in, in doing this. And they, they, they brought a whole bunch of people down there and it's some, apparently it can affect people at any age, but it's a film that grows over the eye or both eyes. And uh, if this is going to make you squeamish, you may want to like reduce the volume a little bit just for like 10 seconds. Ready? Go. And they put like this tiny little vacuum on the eye and it sucks away the film. Okay. And you're back. So, I mean, it's an amazing process, and you didn't hear it because you just tuned out, So, or you just uh, lowered the volume. But it's an amazing process. I don't know how it works. I don't know how they developed it. I don't know who was the first person to be like, yeah, let me try that. But they did, and it works. And so now they're doing it, but they don't have, uh, they don't have a lot of money. A lot of the people that were coming through, this, these thousand people that came through, they could not afford the procedure. I don't know what the cost was, but this guy, Mr. Beast from North Carolina, used his YouTube channel to pay for these procedures to be done on a thousand people. And then every now and again, he would just randomly go up to a couple of them and be like, Hey, here you go. And you open up a briefcase. Here's $10,000 in cash. There was one young kid. Uh, he was like, Oh, I'd really like to be able to see so I can drive. Cause I'm not allowed. I'm not able to drive. Cause I got this thing over like one eye and, uh, and then half of the other, I think. And so they, they put him through the procedure, and after he came out, he was like, oh, my gosh, amazing. It's like, I can see again. And they were like, not only can you see, but here's a car. And they gave him a brand-new Tesla, which he then used in the parking lot and ran over a cone. Not the cone that was a guy dressed like a cone. He didn't hit him. He ran over like a plastic cone. But it was kind of funny. But um, but they gave that kid a car. They gave some other guy ten grand. this big you know trucker-type burly guy. Dude broke down crying like, just a nice thing to do. Charitable works. Look for the good people trying to help. Mr. Beast is one of them. So now you got a bunch of moon bats attacking this guy. Now, after what I've just told you, what on earth could you possibly attack Mr. Beast for, aside from the name? But what on, I mean, because beasts, you're just, ah, it's a beast. I got to kill it, right? But, but aside from that, why would you attack a guy Who's doing this kind of? He just cured a thousand blind people. I mean, not him. He had the doctor do it. Oh, and by the way, at the very end of the video, he then kicks over a hundred thousand dollars to the surgeon. 
to pay off his Maserati. No, he gave it to him so he can continue doing more of these surgeries for charitable cases. So, out of everything I have said, what do you think is the attack that Mr. Beast is now suffering online? What could you possibly attack this guy for? Give up? He monetized his YouTube channel. That's what they're mad at him for. How dare you use capitalism? I'm not kidding. You got a cancel campaign going against Mr. Beast. It's it's not going to work with 100 and what was it? 1,213 million subscribers. Yeah, like you ain't going to cancel that. He doesn't need you. This is one of the things when I talk to. Um, there's a fella, he's a blogger in North Carolina, Bob Lee says, that's his, that's his, uh, blog. And, uh, do you ever remember Rush Limbaugh used to talk about, uh, his mistress in North Carolina? You ever hear him tell, uh, talk about this woman? It's that's the blogger, Bob Lee. That's not his real name, by the way. Um, but that's his wife and his quote mistress in North Carolina is, it was a childhood friend of Rush Limbaugh. And so Bob Lee met his wife through Rush. I think they were in Kansas City at the time. And they used to hang out, watch wrestling, like the world wrestling and all that. And, uh, you know, smoke cigars and drink beer and stuff like that. And uh, after Rush died, I interviewed Bob and I talked to them about Rush. And he said the thing, like they always would, they would always come after Rush, but they could never take him out because they didn't build him. And if they, if they didn't make him, they can't break him. That's the deal. Rush built himself. He built that show. He built this entire format, right? I mean, he built talk radio. He did all of that. You can't cancel him, even though they tried many, many times, basically for the last 25 years of his career, right? Constantly trying to be canceled and they couldn't do it because he built it. And that's what this guy's got going. 112 million subscribers. You can't cancel that. That's, that's, I mean, that's like, what, 10% of the Chinese population? Oh, no, it's 1% of the Chinese population. I was just trying to call it. I was trying to do a callback there. I was trying to tie it back into the last hour's content. So they're attacking this guy because he's not giving it all away for free. Not just the, not just the surgeries, but for the, but for the channel too. They want him to just give it away. How dare you? monetize your channel. He's also selling chocolate bars too. He made like some, some sweets line. I think it came from the, Hey, we got cookies thing that they say on the interwebs. Like, Hey, come on over to the dark side. We have cookies. And so he like went out and made cookies and he sells them. They're in stores all over. And so he's, he's built this, this, you know, company and they're attacking him for being a capitalist and then turning around and using the money to do this kind of thing. Dude literally cures a thousand people's blindness, but if he doesn't create universal health care, he needs to be canceled. This is the stupidity we have to deal with. This is such a stupid world sometimes. The uh, the story about Mr. Beast, the YouTuber, who has 112 million subscribers, 
because he has a channel where he shares videos of acts of kindness. He regularly shares videos uh, where he uh, and he produces them right with his his friends that are I guess on the channel with him, where he gives stuff away to random people, house, car, cash, right to charity to individuals, and then he most recently did a thousand procedures to cure blindness. A thousand people can now see. And you think about this too, the the ways that blindness impacts everything in your life, especially if you were uh if you were not born blind. I'm it, like, look, I I used to do volunteer work years ye- when I was a teenager. I volunteered for several years with a blind softball team. Not a joke, although they had a lot of jokes. They told so many jokes. Their favorite was Way to keep your eye on the ball. Well, no, I take it back. Their favorite was good eye. Yeah. When you would let the pitch go by and it was called the ball or whatever. They say, good eye, good eye. They, they Yeah, they would make so much. <laughs> they would. They would make so much fun. This was up in New York. The name of the team was called the Babylon Beepers. Why the beepers? Because the ball beeps. That's how they hit it. That's how the game is played. Now, there's no second base. So... You only If you get to first, you get a run. If you get to third, you get a run. You get a point. You're, well, not a point, but, I mean, yes, you, you get a run scored. And uh, they do that, so this way if the, the ball gets hit to the left side of the field, they send the runner to the first base side, to the right side. So you're not going to create chances for a collision. And if the ball is hit to the right side of the field, then third base goes off and they run to third base. And the bases have buzzers that sound different. So they know which direction to run for. Um, And we would play, like I was the volunteer for the blind team, and we would play sighted teams, sighted softball teams. We'd play like the the FOP. We'd play the firefighters, right? We'd play all these different local softball teams, and they would put on blindfolds. Sighted guys and, and girls who would put on blindfolds, and our team would just cream them. They'd just cream them. Because it's the, I guess the the beepers have been playing like this for years, and I was a catcher, uh, and the pitcher is sighted, and you pitch for your own team. You pitch and catch for your own team. So my job was to catch, but also to hold up the mitt. I had to learn where everybody's swing was. Right. So if you're if you like to swing high, you like to swing like a golf swing. I would have to line my mitt up where you swing to give the pitcher the target to hit. And the pitcher then would, you know, have the, there's a little pin, you pull the pin out, the ball starts beeping, because it's basically a softball that they cut open, they put a beeper inside, and then they put like little speaker holes so you can hear it, and then they stitch it back up, and then they, uh, the pitcher will get up there and they'll go, ready, pitch, and then when, and so you say pitch when you let go of the ball. And then the you hear the beep, 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 coming closer to you, and then you swing. I wouldn't tell them when to swing, they had to learn that on their own. And uh, there was one guy, Sean. That guy, <laughs> I don't think, I think he, I think he destroyed at least two softballs every single game. Dude was ripped. And if, if he made contact, that ball was dead. Um, and so the ball would go out into the outfield and you either play the outfield with the blindfold on, or if you're a sighted team, you can play sighted. You, can, you don't have to wear the blindfold if you don't want to in the field. But here's the thing. There's a different way to get the out. So if you're blindfolded in the outfield and I hit the ball to you, I start running to the bag, and if I get to that bag before you get control of that ball, I get a run. 
But if you get control of the ball first, then the run doesn't count. You got me out. And if you want to play in the field sighted, you're going to get to the ball much sooner. So then what happens is you have to get the ball and throw it to home plate before I cross the bag. And if you if you beat me to the bag, if you get the, uh, the, the ball back to the plate, then I'm out. But if I get to that bag first, I get a run. So that's... That's it. I don't know how I got on this topic. Oh, because it affects so many other things of your life, especially if you've been sighted your whole life and you never developed the the skills that people born without sight develop that, you know, their entire lives. They've never known anything different, so they develop these workarounds and they, they learn these other skills that when you are, you know, we, we've all heard this, right, that your sense of hearing becomes better right? Sense of smell is more uh, sensitive, that sort of thing. But when you're sighted, you rely on your sight and then you go blind and there's there's a, a very steep, um, I don't say learning curve, but it's it's very difficult. And so this guy comes along and he's got a channel devoted to helping people, which has gotten ton, a million subscribers, million plus, uh, or sorry, 100 million plus subscribers, People then give him money, they help him, they want to donate stuff, and so he has become a conduit for good, for God, right? That's what he's doing. Now, he doesn't get out there and preach Christianity or God. I don't even know if he's religious at all, but this is just something he does. This is what he wants to do. He wants to put joy in the world and help people. This is what he does. And by the way, capitalism allows him to do that. The free market, freedom, allows him to do that. Look at all the people, and if if all the people who are complaining about him not, you know, doing socialized medicine, these people were trying to cancel him because he didn't demonetize his channel, that he's taking money off of this channel, and if you really wanted to help people, you wouldn't make any money. Like, that's how he helps people, and if you want to do it better, do it better. You want to show a better way, show us a better way. But I know this, there's a thousand people that can now see that couldn't before this guy. Maybe go pick a different hill to die on. News Talk 1110-993, WBT. So the founder of the uh, Babylon Beepers guy uh, by the name of Charlie Meisenheimer. Uh, sadly, he passed away uh, years ago when I was actually still with the team. Or, yeah, or a year or so after I finished uh, volunteering with the team. We started it as a service project. For one year, we had to do it for uh, confirmation in the Catholic Church. You had to do a service project. And so I did it, and I got like three of my friends to come do it with us. So we all volunteered, and then we just kept doing it. And... Um, so Charlie founded the team. There was Captain Joe Buser and uh, Joey, I'm trying to remember his last name, Macera. And um, they formed a band. And they called themselves Blind Man's Bluff. I'm not kidding. And their hit tune, relatively speaking, was What You See Is What You Get. Absolutely nothing. That was their song. And they, they had a whole 
Oh yeah, they played. They they played together. They actually uh, got in a sailboat and sailed around Long Island to try to set a Guinness record or something. That was years later after I'd gone off to college. But yeah, that was one of their. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were on what was it? Good Morning America or something when the Special Olympics came to New York City or Queens or something. I remember we got the day off of school and we got to drive in and and they were and they broadcast live. Yeah. I was young, I don't remember much about it, but I remember we recorded it and yeah, I came home and watched it because Captain Joe had run into the crowd on live TV after he hit a ball. It was yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. But anyway, great guys. I loved my time with them. So uh, anyway, due to a sharp rise in vehicle thefts that target certain Kia and Hyundai vehicles, State Farm and Progressive have now put a temporary halt on insurance coverage for new customers who drive specific models. We've heard about this in um, Charlotte Mecklenburg. They were talking about the increase in vehicle thefts in Charlotte-Mecklenburg due to this social media uh, campaign or viral challenge or something. What is it called? The, the Kia Challenge, I think is what they called it. Kia and Hyundai models made between 2015 and 2019 have become among the most stolen vehicles due to a lack of anti-theft technology inside of them. By the way, have you heard of this other technology? I'll come back to the Kia Hyundai thing, but the there is apparently some sort of a device that spoofs your, um, what is it called? Your, uh, your fob. It, it spoofs the fob and it sends, it can like relay, I, I don't know how it works, but apparently you have this device and if you walk by a car and if the person's, fob is near the car you can you can send uh, basically prompt the fob to send a message which then pops the locks so think in terms of not if you're at the the grocery store or something uh, you know where you've pulled in forward at the parking space but maybe it's uh, at your house it's parked in your driveway and you come in and you throw your keys in a little dish right inside the door and so your fob is within 20 feet of your car. And if somebody's walking by your driveway and they hit that little fob, or they hit their device and it could spoof this signal. I've like, this is what I have heard. I don't know how prevalent these things are, but might want to get yourself a, uh, like a Faraday cage, Faraday bag of some kind, or, uh, you know, wrap your keys in tinfoil or a metal box. That'll prevent that from happening or just keep your keys far away from your car. If it's got a fob. So the Kia and Hyundai models between this, what, four or five year period, 2015 to 2019, uh, they are the most stolen vehicles now. According to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, 26% of these vehicles had what's called immobilizers. These, These are mechanisms that help prevent theft. 26%. That's it compared to 62% of other vehicles produced during the same time frame. So you have a much better chance, if you're a car thief, you have a much better chance of getting inside a Kia or a Hyundai because the the lower uh, percentage of vehicles made with this uh, mechanism. In a statement to Queen City News, 
State Farm representative said, quote, State Farm has temporarily stopped accepting new customer applications in some states for certain model years and trim levels of Hyundai and Kia vehicles because theft losses for these vehicles have increased dramatically. What does that mean? Trim levels, trim packages. What do you think that means? Cars that look cool, right? If you've got some that's, if you got a car, if you got a Kia or Hyundai that's made during these, uh, and I did actually, uh, no, I didn't. Never mind. No, no, that's too recent. I think mine was like an 08 or 09. I had a, used to have a Hyundai Sonata, but um, great car. Loved it. But um, if you've got one that doesn't have any of the cool effects, the trim packages or colors or whatever, in, cer- in certain states, you, know, you people might not want to steal yours. Right? Anyway, uh, they say it's a serious problem impacting our customers and the entire auto industry. We take seriously our responsibility to manage risk and the impact of excess claim costs on all our customers, right? Because this does affect everyone. In this case, well, except, of course, the kids that, that break in and steal the cars, nothing happens to them, of course. But everybody else gets to pay for their crimes. Um, in this case, it became necessary to take action to protect our policyholders and our business. We are monitoring the situation very closely and we'll adjust our approach as appropriate. So I don't know if North Carolina is one of the states where the, where they're doing this. Uh, Queen City News said that they spoke with a state farm rep in Charlotte, in the Charlotte area, and they have not been notified of any changes here. So it may not affect us, but that's a heads up for you. Have you thought about the scooters? Have you thought about maybe using the scooters instead of your Kia or Hyundai? Apparently... Apparently, the scooters need your business. I was reading the Charlotte Ledger the other day, charlotteledger.substack.com, piece written by Tony Messia. Is Charlotte about to face a scooter apocalypse, or as I call it, a scooteropolis? I don't actually call it that. That was actually my first attempt at calling it that. The future of scooter rentals is in doubt in the Queen City. Are you rejoicing at that news, or are you like, or are you crying at that news? Oh, Bernie's Bernie's happy. Yeah, what I have found with the scooters, um, people either love them or hate them. I I don't I don't know if anybody is just like agnostic about the scooters. You know, I mean, people who are actually around them. Like, if you don't ever come uptown uh, or South End, sorry, what do they call it now? Loso. Enough. Okay, people, just enough with the Mora, Freemore Web. I mean, come on, enough. Stop trying to make fetch happen. So anyway, I think people who are actually around the scooters, I think they're like, oh, yeah, they're cool. I would use them. Or they're like, oh, I hate them. They're, you know, evil uh, incarnate. I don't know anybody that's just like, eh, yeah, I could, you know, whatever. Everybody's got an opinion about the scooters. They're all like, I love them, or they're like, I wish they were gone. That's just in my experience. I've never ridden a scooter. I've attempted to, but um, they wanted a driver's license, and I didn't have it on me, which was the whole reason I needed the scooter in the first place. Anyway, well, yeah, because you got to use the driver's license to, like, set up the app or whatever. Bird, Lime, Hellbiz, Hellbiz, 
No, these are not. These are not new flavors at the local brewery. These are the company names of the e-scooters that have been dumped all around town. Apparently, these three companies, I honestly had not heard of Helbiz. H-E-L-B-I-Z, Helbiz. Um, according to the Charlotte Ledger, the future of the rentals is in doubt. The three companies operating in Charlotte are burning through investor cash, pulling out of cities and laying off workers in an attempt to find a profitable business model. Meanwhile, city figures show that ridership last year fell slightly from 2021 and ridership in each of the last two years was down more than 30% from the first full year of scooters in Charlotte in 2019. The business isn't working. Doesn't look like it. Too many competitors. Let me get David on. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, is this the wordsmith? It is indeed. Well, I mean, just, you know, on the side. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm sorry that you're going to be sitting in on the demise of a word. Liquor sickle. If you have to have a driver's license to use one of these things, then that kind of defeats the purpose. That's what I suspected. We were at, we had our nephews out, uh, and they were staying with us, and we're like, hey, let's walk over to Marshall Park. And hey, and one of my nephews like, I really want to ride the, the scooters. And so they're like, well, download the app. And so we start downloading the app, and we start trying to do it. Well, I just walked across the street to Marshall Park, so I was like, I, I don't have my license with me. I just came over here, and now I'm, I got my phone, but like, I don't have... I don't have my ID, and so and it started look, running me through this process: driver's license, and you got to put the payment method in, and all of this. And and then they said that he's too young; he was like eleven or twelve at the time. He wasn't allowed to ride it anyway. Although I do see <laughs> kids in violation of that all the time. I don't know how they get around it. Maybe the parents set up the accounts for him or something. And now, after that episode, now you know why that company named themselves Hellbiz. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> that's it, David. Appreciate the call, buddy. All right, brother. All right, man. You too. Um, yeah, the liquor sickle, the scooters. Those are the other scooters, right? So what? Wait, mopeds. But no, they call them. I think the moped people. I think there's a difference too. I think I had a fight with some some people of the the, the scooter community when I was up in Asheville. I think there is a difference between scooters and mopeds, but I don't know, and frankly, I don't care. So um, the <laughs> the The scooters, these are the e-scooters, the electric ones. There's a problem with the model, right? So it was described in the Charlotte Ledger piece here as uh, classic Silicon Valley phenomenon. You raise a lot of venture capital, you launch aggressive growth plans, and then a couple years down the line, you run out of money and haven't figured out a viable business model. (laughs) So that's what they're looking at. The business can be challenging. They say, quote, companies have to navigate a patchwork of local regulations, right? They have to recharge the scooters and repair the damaged ones. You know, there are like that's the job. That's one of the gigs you could get is get yourself a truck and a trailer and you just drive around and they, they put out these little distress beacons or whatever. Like, ah, help me, help me. And you go out and you pick up the scooter, you throw it on your, your trailer and you drive it back and you plug it in and you use the, you know, the coal, I guess. Uh, or nuclear power, whatever, to, to to power the electric scooters, charge them back up, and then you drop them off the next day at whatever locations, I guess, are assigned to you, like turf. Like, like, yeah. So they have to recharge the scooters, and then you got to fix the broken ones, and there's typically competition with the other companies, and if you raise your rates too much, riders will switch to the cheaper options. Or they'll go out and buy their own e-scooter. 
In addition, venture capital money that launched and sustained the scooter boom has now largely dried up. In Charlotte, you've got Bird that's allowed to operate 600 scooters, Lime 600, and Helbiz 400. But they don't operate that many. It's, it's quite a bit fewer, hundred, several hundred fewer. And the scooters are mostly in Uptown and surrounding neighborhoods like South End, Midtown, and Plamy. Where's Plamy, Pete? Oh, what's the matter? How come Plaza Midwood doesn't get one of those cool abbreviations? Plaza Midwood. Plamy. Or Midtown, just call it Mid. Midtown. By the way, I've always wondered this with the Midtown, as one who lived right on the doorstep of Midtown. Um, we used to live at the the apartment building right there across from the Aquatic Center. And um, so we would walk over to the Metropolitan, right, the, the Midtown Metro, whatever, I forget what the name of it. Right, the big development there with the awful, awful, awful parking deck. Um, why is it called Midtown if there's no downtown? Don't you have to have... A mid, or don't you have to have an uptown and then a downtown in order for there to be a midtown? No? How do you have the midpoint without having the ends first? These are the questions that keep me up at night. <laughs>